is the JFJ Conspiracy Podcast, where the shop talk is rock. I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. Yes, and this is the JFJ Conspiracy Podcast, where the shop talk is rock. And as you can see, we're missing Jerry today, but we have a very special guest. Jim, why don't you introduce our special guest today? We have Melanie Vammon with us here from the Pandoras, the Muffs, White Flag, Leaving Trains, the Coolies. Is that all of them? I probably missed somebody in there. I wasn't in the band. I sing on some of the Tender, leaving chains. I had a band called Pointy Kitty too. Those, those would be the ones. All right. I've been playing with Jim Cotton recently for for touring. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's talk about your musical background as far as growing up. What were your influences? Um. Well, I started going out when I was about fifteen. Um. Coming out, I grew up in Orange County. I lived in LA first, and I grew up, moved down to Orange County. And I had a pretty cool mom, and she let me go out. She trusted right. me. And um, I got involved in the whole like 60s garage scene, the mod scene. I guess like being mod was like my first thing. I was like 15. And um, we would go to a club called Concert Factory and cruise around on scooters all around Orange and Newport and Balboa. And and then that led into like the more 60s garage type of thing. And I started coming up to a club in LA called the Lhasa Club and Geno's. And there's like a lot of like dance clubs and it had a lot of like 60s soul, psychedelic and garage music. And so that's kind of where it all started. And that's, that's where I met Paula. Or were you already playing an instrument at that time? Not really. I was. I learned how to play piano a little bit when I was a little kid, and I played clarinet for five years also. But um, at the time, no, I wanted a guitar. I think when I was around 11, I asked for a guitar, and my mom surprised me with an acoustic guitar, and I was pissed off and told her to return it. In my mind... I wanted an electric guitar, right. and then yeah, sure. this guitar just wasn't good enough. This makes so stupid, <laughs> and I wish I, I would have kept it. So now she returned it, and then uh, I no nothing until then. And then, um, like I like I said, I would see Paula around the club a lot, mm-hmm. and she was she was considerably older than me, and um, she was. She was really cool. She was like into the whole 60s garage thing, which, you know, I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And she periodically, she had started the Pandora's in 1983. And she would come up to me and ask me if I knew how to play an instrument because I had that look. I had like, you know, the big black hair, big 60s whole look. And um, I would always say, no, I don't. And then. <laughs> Then one of the times she asked, and my boyfriend at the time said, she does. She knows how to play piano. So that's, that's what led me to find out. All right. Now, you 
you started playing piano and you're playing keyboards for for Pandora's. Um, you came in after the after the first album, right? I came in um, right at the end of high school, and uh, the it was the eve of the release of that first album, the Pink Album, mm-hmm. and that was that. That's when I joined, and I don't know the exact date. But soon after, about a week after, Paula, she 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 was happy the album came out. But at that time, she had a brand new band, and uh, she wanted to put out something new right away. She wanted, even though that had just come out, she wanted everyone to see the new band. So about a week later, we went and we recorded our single, oh. Hot Generation, Satisfy. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was pretty crazy. It's like, here I am, this little kid. <laughs> I've never recorded anything. And here I am in the middle of the night at this recording studio called Silvery Moon. And uh, it was like near the Beverly Center and Tail of the Pup. And there we are in the middle of the night recording this single. It was, it was pretty crazy. Pretty cool. That's like a great story. Um, that Hot Generation single was my introduction to the Pandoras. Oh, yeah? Did you hear it? Did you hear it from Rodney? I did not hear it from Rodney. I saw it, and uh, I saw, um, I think you guys were on Bomp or Vox, one, one of those yeah. labels, yeah. probably Vox, right? And so I, uh, I was managing a record store at the time, and it, it was in the Vox catalog. And I, I just saw the cover, and I said, I got to take a chance on this, bought it, and instantly fell in love <laughs> because it was just, just such a great single. It's a great song. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, through all the years when we reformed doing it, it was so great being able to play both of those, those songs again, those, like both uh, Hot Generation and You Don't Satisfy and Rodney, yeah. he was like our hugest supporter ever, he was right. just amazing still to this day, anything that I'm involved in, and any of us are involved in, he supports us, he plays us. And um, that, like, Hot Generation, you know, Satisfy, that was, like, his theme song, you know, practically, because he played us so much. All right. So many, uh, so many bands, L.A. bands, owed so much to him, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and, and such, a, such a great guy. Every time you run into him, he's just the most gracious individual. He'll just sit there and chat you up and talk and... Like it's, you know, totally normal, like you're a long lost friend almost, you know, just yeah. always great. So as a young kid coming into this band, and I know you, you said you, you looked up to Paula, actually. What about everybody? Wild, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, I'm a little wild myself. But back then I was this kid super young kid and I was pretty naive and innocent and I met this this giant force that was just crazy not like a crazy way just wild that right. didn't care that was just herself and and sexual and loud and she was she was rad and talented and, and funny and yeah it was pretty cool yeah was there was there ever a time where the other members of the band, when you're, when you're the new guy coming in, was there, did they just accept you right away or was there any hazing or uh, feeling out period, <laughs> you know, as, as the new one, especially as a youngster coming in? 
not no because when I came into the band, the other two also came into the the, the band because right. basically two of the members had had left the band, and then the other one um, she asked she fired her, and um, so so three of us, me, Karen, and Julie, we were all new to the band. We all came in basically at the same time, so it was it was that, and that was another reason why um, it was so important to her to get out something with her new band. Was this the time when when there was theoretically two Pandoras running out there? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. They were pretty pretty ridiculous at the time, and and, and you know it was it was a war. It was a war of who came up with the name. Right. Well, this stuff is. It was Paula. It's still going around today uh, with the local uh, uh, 80s hair metal bands. You know, how many L.A. guns we got running around, how many uh, rats, and, uh, you know, they they fight over the name and they want to be able to, you know, make a living and everything else. And, and you guys started the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now, when does Kim come into the fold? Um, okay, so Kim came into the picture, so we got our single, and then we did a, an East Coast tour, our first tour, my first time really going anywhere. Here I am, a teenager, hopping on an airplane. Greg Shaw bought us tickets to the East Coast, and we did, like, maybe two two or three weeks to the East Coast tour, and um, it was pretty wild. I remember going to, to Rock in New York, and I remember getting dropped off in the Lower East Side, and I was so scared. I'm like, you're leaving me here? I'm staying here? <laughs> and it was like, this was so different than like where I lived in Orange County. But, uh, you know, like the, everything was burnt down and broken up and, and scary. But it was amazing. It was the coolest thing. We played all these shows. We played at, at Irving Plaza with uh, the Fuzz Tones. I think we played with wow. the Brood in Maine or something. But it was fun. It was like a really great introduction. And then we came back, and I think around that same time, then we did I Want My Caveman. Uh, and that was on, I think it's called Garage, Garage Shop or Garage. It was only on cassette. It has like a, like a caveman, 60s type of guy. And um, it had a bunch of like 60s garage bands on it. And that's, that was that. So that song, that was another song Rodney started playing all the time. And uh, then we got involved, trying to think, we were playing at the Palace and the Roxy and and getting lots of write-ups and stuff. And then we hooked up with Nina Hagen. And wow. Yeah, yeah. No, she was, she was pretty awesome. I think it was a show at the Beverly Wilton. Mm-hmm. And I remember Red Cross playing. And at that time, it was getting a little weird with our baby mother. And she was getting flaky. And we didn't know she was going to show up to the show. We had this giant show. And... Steve was going to fill in. Steve Dahl was going to fill in for us, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen. He showed up last minute, and we ended up playing the show. But soon after, we um, she left the band. People, that's a misunderstanding too. I can make some corrections there for people. <laughs> Good. But we actually 
<laughs> she actually left the band. Paula asked her what her intentions were. And because she had kind of like flaked out on coming to rehearsals and stuff like that. And I can remember we were rehearsing at my house and it was me and Karen and Paula. And she just, she, she didn't want to continue on. And she, she actually, she quit. And we got this other girl to fill in. And it was a little weird. She just kind of wasn't like our style. And she, yeah. she played those with us and she's maybe in the band for a couple months. But at the time, I had been shopping in a store. 1985, the summer of 1985. And me, I was with Roy McDonald, who, you know, obviously, you know, Muffs and Red Cross. Um, and we were in a shop, and we ran into this guy named Dave. He was in a band called The Fab. And we knew Dave, and his happened his girlfriend was Kim. And we'd seen him, but we didn't know Kim. Right. Kim was super tall. She's like so tall, and she had this like bob hairdo. And I can remember seeing her like around the club and stuff. And she was cool. She was all sixties, and she's kind of new to our scene. So Roy and I are like, yeah, yeah, check, checking her out and stuff. And so Dave, we we talked to Dave, and I, and I said I was looking for a bass player. If you know anyone that plays bass, and he's like, okay, I'll think about it. And so Roy and I left, and Kim turned to Dave and she's like, why don't you tell him that I play bass? And he's like, you don't play bass. And <laughs> so we ended up going and she did not play bass. And we end up going down the street and we see them in another store. I think it was called Razzmatazz. And there we come walking in again and he said, oh, she plays bass. And so he uh or she gave me her number. I went back to my house and I called up Paula. And we, we used to rehearse in the upstairs of my bedroom. I was joint bedroom. And I called her up. I told her and Karen, I'm like, yeah, she's really cool. And I think that we should try her out. And Paula loved it. So I called her up and I have someone made like an embroidery thing. I could grab mm -hmm. it. And uh, I called her house and talked to her mom. And her mom left a note and said, Melanie from Pandora's call, call her if they want to try you out. And so she did. And I feel like she came over like that day later or something. <laughs> and so she came to my house and she came and tried out. It was like instant. Like, this is cool. This is right. like me and her were like totally alike. We were like instant friends. And we loved her, and so we said, you know what, we have to figure out what to do here because we don't want this girl in the band, but we can't fire her. And we need to sort this out. So we want you, you just have to like hold on. <laughs> so Kim's like, okay. And so that night, Kim and I went out, we went to Safari Sam's, which was a club in Huntington Beach that had cool yeah. shows. And then her friend Dave from the fad, they lived, they all at the fad lived in this house together and her and I hung out all night. And it was just crazy. It was like, we laughed and laughed. And if you guys know me and Kim, we're pretty ridiculous. And um, it was the best time in the whole world. And we were best friends instantly. That that was it. That was, right. that was like our introduction to each other. And we knew we were going to be inseparable always. Right. So she... We played, I think, like one more show with this other girl. Kim came to the show. She was in the audience. And then the girl quit. And then Kim joined. So it, that was, I think, July 
I think it was July of 1985. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's where it all began. <laughs> Your, what was it, 86 when Stop Pretending came out? Yeah. I think it was so 86. When Kim joined, we were in the middle of signing our contracts and, and doing demos for that album. So Kim jumped right in. And we did all these demos. I have them on cassettes. I'm going to go through a bunch of wow. cassettes. Cool. Um, I've got lots of stuff on cassettes, lots of like, yeah. like shows and interviews oh, wow. and cool, you know, just pre production stuff. I've got like Paula like, in the studio, we're one hit wonders. And <laughs> that was the, the basic track for the song, like Stop Pretending or something. But, um, yeah, no, it was it, like everything was pretty immediate, like with all of us. And I guess at the time I told Kim, because she always liked to tell me this, like I said, you know what? She's like, what? And she's like, you're going to be a star. We're going to be stars. I was like, oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> oh, you had Hard Rock after that album. Now, were you on, were you on Hard Rock also? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in the band like the whole time. Um, so Stop Pretending came out. That was amazing. That's our favorite album. Right. And it, it 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 did it did fairly well. We did a lot of touring for it. We were gone for like three months straight, crazy touring. Crazy story, let right. me tell you. <laughs> totally crazy fun stories. And um so then we sort of had like this uh we got courted by Electra and nice. So we ended up leaving Rhino. We were supposed to do a second album with them, and we left them. And then we went with Electra, and it then turned out Paula started dating our A&R guy. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest circumstances there. I'm not going to go into all of right, that, right? But uh, Paula went switching directions that that was her downfall instead of sticking to like the one thing that she did great Paula was like the best like pop uh songwriter in garage that was like her thing she started that like like before the pandora she had the direct hits who became the action now and great amazing pop songs and then and then all the 60s garage pop stuff that we did in pandora's early on like that too, just amazing. And so then she started getting a little more during the lecture. It was still pop, but it was a little more Brian Adams-ish, mm -hmm. I'll say, which was <laughs> so much my thing or Kim's thing. But, um, you know, it was still pretty pop. Like, like looking back at it, all that whole album was very, it was really 80s produced. It was very dated. Right. It was seen to have the test pressings and stuff it, it eventually it never came out it was a big uh, bunch of money wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars wasted on the production of this and oh. um people leaving the band and all, like you know all, all, all this weird stuff so that album and then we got um fired yeah. fired but we got let go let <laughs> go as from, they say dropped yeah they dropped, yes, we got dropped. So they dropped our A&R guy. This is like after two years, I think we signed with a lecture in 86, 87, 88, 87. It was, it just turned like new year of 88. Mm -hmm. And they they fired him and they dropped both of his bands, which were us and Jeff Way. 
So, so we had an album, and uh, it was in test press form, ready to go. We had an album title, we had a cover, we had everything, and it had never been released. Wow. But when we bootleg demos from it, have been released that Greg Shaw put out under a mm -hmm. uh, fake a fake record label called, and the album's called Sick Adult Sluts. I've seen that um, going through some of uh, you know, discogs and everything, and I'll see it pop up, and it's like, yeah, I can't afford that today. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, some people, I actually I actually have it, but um, some people think that it's a legitimate album, and it's not. It's a bootleg right. that right. You know, so then after that, then, then we had like a, a, a change with our drummers, uh, with Karen, and Sherry, so then Karen um, wasn't in the band anymore, and then Sherry was in the band, and then that's kind of when we met, then Paula started going once again. <laughs> now we'll say, I guess, rock ACDC direction. It wasn't mm -hmm. as like, heavy metal as it got like, in the end. It was pretty gnarly in the end. Right. But um, that's the one we did on wrestling. And, and we had we had a little success with that with with a uh, couple of the songs like one of the songs was played on Headbangers Ball and uh, Run Down Love Battery that was the ACDC-ish right. one and then another one called Close Behind it was in regular rotation on K Rock and it was it was it was a pop song it's a pretty song it's a really good song actually so was so, there um I, you guys are kind of at that point, people say like, oh, well, they kind of went in a heavy metal direction or whatever. It was kind of a little more of a maybe a metalish look. But um, was ah. was there any was there any sort of pressure from the label to kind of go in that direction or was it or was this or yeah. was this really Paula just doing her thing? OK, so that's OK. So as far as pressure from the label at Electric, yeah, we got pressure. Oh, yeah, they wanted to change a bunch of things at Electra. Oh, here you have a clothes designer. Oh, here, uh, take lessons. Here you need to do this, this, this. It was, it was pretty right. crazy. It was bullshit, man. Right. And, uh, but as far as the musical direction, that was Paula. That was all her. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, it sucked. And... So she started going so heavy metal and she was wearing, you know, I love her, I love her, I will always love her, but not a good decision on her part. Mm -hmm. And uh, started wearing chaps and just ridiculous outfits, you know, just so metal looking. And that was so not me and Kim. Me and Kim were still like these, like, we're just goofy and like, you know, I wouldn't say we were like sixties garage anymore at all, but but just fun, you know, we're still wearing the same thing, belly outfits or cool clothes and cool things. I wouldn't say we dressed metal at all. And we certainly were not into metal music, but Paula for sure. That was that was her thing and her songs and there's a live album. I I can't listen to it. It's <laughs> not my thing at all. But yeah. You like it? That's cool. I'm not gonna knock it. Right. <laughs> that's that's when I started. That's during that period is when I just like I was gonna learn how to play guitar because okay. I was just getting so bored playing keyboards. And I'm like, 
you know what? I want to play guitar. So I bought a guitar, I think in 1989, probably, and 89, 90. And then um, I just started learning. I watched them when they were playing at rehearsal and stuff. And so Paul is like, well, um, why don't you play on a song? So I, I would play on <laughs> Look It Up. We mm-hmm. did kids on Look It Up. And I feel like also like the Runaways, Queens and Noise. I remember playing that. Also, there were a few that I would play on guitar. And, you know, of course, I loved that because I could hand over her guitar and play it. And then we had a second guitarist at the time. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of where I started doing that. And then in the meantime, Kim was already starting to write songs. And her and I, it was 1990, we were in Pandora still, and we started rehearsing Kim's songs. Mm. Just like before Pandora's practices and stuff, we weren't the muffs yet. But um, we just said, you know what, let's, let's, let's start learning war songs. Let's do something we want to do, music that we love. And so that's kind of where we first started that. Now, when you leave Pandora's, you know, if you if you want to go off what the internet says, you were unceremoniously fired. Um, I'll because, tell yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, yeah, I'd love to hear it from from you because, uh, like I say, we we always get different versions, and uh, rather hear it from the from the actual source. Okay, so the actual source. What actually happened was um, because Paula always jumping on the next. Uh, thing that musical direction she thought was going to be big was always past the time, actually. Um, she now felt that she didn't need keyboards anymore. In the in her new direction, she wanted two guitars, bass, and drums. And she, I'm trying to think, the songs were so bad. <laughs> they were so bad. I'm going to say Dark November, which we ended up recording in our reformed Pandoras. We we made it see the light for her. Um, that was a great song. And that was played once or twice after I was not in the band, but I had started learning it when I still was. But um, so she felt that this was the way, the direction. And this was this. It happened on Kim's birthday. It was um, July 17th in 1990. And she, Kim told me that she was going to kick me out of the band. And I'm the longest person that's ever played with Paula musically. And uh, so I went up, I went up to a rehearsal place. I knew what was going to happen. And she was there. Sherry was there and Lisa, who was the second guitarist. And Kim stayed around because we were supposed to go to Europe. And so I went up and I remember walking into the rehearsal space. And she came to the door, I come walking in, she's all quiet, it's all weird. And she's like, oh, moping her head around. I go, you know what? I know what you're gonna say. I know it's gonna happen. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. All right. It's all right. Yeah. You, and I said, you, you don't need to say it. And she didn't. And she cried. And then she said, you know, you and I were best friends before you and Kimmy. And it's true. Her and I were best friends. Like right. she, you know, taught me so much crazy stuff. And she, uh, that was it. And she, like I said, the other two girls, they were there and stuff. And that was kind of like our parting of ways. 
it was, you know, it was pretty sad. It was like breaking up with a boyfriend. It was this relationship. I had been in the band for six years. Right. I was a little kid, and, and you know, here, here, I learned all this stuff, and it was, it was pretty, pretty sad. But at the same time, it was such a good thing because it was long overdue. It was something that Kim and I were so afraid right. to leave. Because, you know, we just were afraid to take that step and, and move on and do our thing. So anyway, so Kim stayed a couple more months, and then Paula, she canceled the European to, like tour because her boyfriend couldn't go, and so that was it. I was like, you know what? yeah, I quit, okay. and voila, we had already been practicing. Me, Kim, and Ronnie. Ronnie was Kim's boyfriend, mm-hmm. and then we had our friend Dave Nasworthy played drums with us a few times, and can you fill in before we got? Our drummer, we wanted Roy, and Roy was unavailable. So <clears throat> Roy had we had tried out a few people, but Roy had recommended Chris, and that's how they had worked together at the warehouse, and that's how Chris got in the band. Ah. And then we started rehearsing, and Paula was at our first show. Paula ah. and Sherry were there. They, I don't know how serious serious she took it, but um, you know. In the, in the end, um, you know, it turned out horribly for her, but we we all ended on a, like a, on a good 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 place with her. Both Kim and I did. We had um, not been seeing her as much. We had become like really busy with the muffs. But mm-hmm. when Paula died, she had just called me a few weeks before she died and had told me like how proud of me she was. And oh, that's good. You know, that is had, great. You know, it was she's like my family. You know, it was devastating, horrible right. thing. She died on my birthday. Oh man. Yeah, and she was my birthday will never be the same. Right. And she was so young. Yeah, your your first show with the Muffs live show. Where was it, and how many people were in the audience that night? Do you remember? Okay, it was at the Shamrock, and. I'm gonna say it was probably sold out. It was it was kind of like a big hype. And then I remember Jeff McDonald, he told me, he's like, you gotta play my guitar, you gotta play my carbon guitar. So I was playing his yellow carbon. And um, it was awesome. It was so much fun. It was great. It was like, it was like unbelievable. Here we were do, finally doing what we want to do and playing like amazing songs, Kim's amazing songs. It was fun. It was great. All right. Did she have that yell down even at that first show? She did. So do you know where that comes from? No, Her- please. No. <laughs> so, so Paula was definitely an influence on Kim and Paula had the most awesome yell ever. Right. Yeah, and all of that. That's, that's like Paula's signature scream. So Kim, you know, was influenced, mm-hmm. but she yeah. learned a lot from her. You yeah, know, it's not, a, it's not a same scream, but Kim would be the first to tell you that she was definitely influenced by Paula. And, yeah. and, and by that, you know, Kim had her own signature yell for sure but that's really uh i think you know what 
influenced her mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. You had um, Chris in the band for a while as the drummer. And um, I just listened to an interview with Ronnie yesterday, as a matter of fact. And um, I don't know. He, you know, Ronnie is a, he's a great guy. And I I don't think he wants to talk bad about anybody. Or if he does, he really skates around it. But I got the feeling that, that Chris didn't leave on the best of terms. Um, well, I always ended up staying friends with Chris through all the years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when Kim, before Kim passed away, she also wanted um, Chris and his wife to know that she was ill, and I spoke to them, mm-hmm. and they knew. They were very saddened by it, and oddly, you bring him up, and he was just commenting on something last year. It was his birthday yesterday, and last right. year, Kim wanted me to post a bunch of birthday wishes for her. She was unable <laughs> to do it uh. on social media. You know, he... He was, he was wild. Mm-hmm. Talk about wild. Uh, yeah, no. When he left, that was, um, it was time for him to leave. He was yeah. ready to leave. And everybody else was. It was the right the right thing at, at the right time. Right. That's what I'm going to say. You know, um, I always got along with Chris. He's an interesting person. Mm-hmm. There's, I haven't quite ever met anybody like him. Um, I think he's extremely talented. He's a great drummer. He had great backing vocals. Right. You know, we had some really fun times. But you know, it's like it, it he it wasn't it wasn't the right thing anymore. Right. And uh, he didn't want to be in the band anymore. And it was the I think the the feeling was pretty mutual. Right now, after that first Muffs album comes out, did you you guys you went on tour, didn't you? We did, yes. Um, well, we did had already done. We had done like a lot of uh, like when we first started the band, we did a bunch of tours, or we did like a bunch of singles, mm-hmm. and we did a West Coast yeah. tour. We we got going, you know, to Warner Brothers, all that. Did that, and then we went on tour with the Goo Dolls. Wow. We did that tour. That was a big tour. And then Chris left. And so then Jim Laspisa came into the band. The next tour right. was with the Digit. And we did, um, yeah. I think it was another U.S. tour with the Digits. And then we did a, a, a European tour. So Jim Laspisa did both of those. Okay. And then, and then Roy was available. They wanted to be in the band. So Roy came into the band and, you know, probably some people think like me and Roy didn't play together in the band. We did for like mm-hmm. seven or eight months. And um, so, yeah, you know, um, so then Roy joined and then we started working on the second album. And I know what I know. What's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Jim ask. So what happened? <laughs> I guess is the question. Answer. Um, okay, so you know we did all this touring, tons of touring, tons of preparing for um, the second album, and we had done another tour, right, like right before I left, and um, I left. 
believe it was the night before or two days before we were going into the studio to record the second album. So right. <laughs> I was album. I know those songs. I have all the pre-production tapes. I have all the DAT tapes. I have mm-hmm. everything. Um, it wasn't necessarily my choice. I wouldn't have picked to leave the band. Oh. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say much more. Okay. I'm going to just say it's an unfortunate thing that happened. It wasn't what I wanted to have happen. Right. Um, I have integrity. And um, it was a very sad thing. And I know everybody feels, uh, you know, all years later, everybody feels very remorseful for what had happened. Right. And um, I was very hurt by it. Okay. So, yeah, I did leave. But I had to. Right. Uh, But I I did leave. And... um, you guys yeah. didn't didn't talk for quite a long time. Um, no. When you when what sixteen years or whatever goes by, what is it like? You know, when you run into somebody again after all that time. You know, it's 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 there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. So what I chose to do was, um, you know, I think I think of myself as a pretty positive person. And I try to just roll with situations and I try, even though it was like probably one of the most saddest things that ever happened to me in my life. Um, I moved, moved on and I did my own thing and I found my own scene of people. I started playing in the leaving trains and recorded albums with them. And, um, you know, I just kind of didn't listen anymore to things maybe that were said or, right. um, it, you know, I think through the whole thing, looking back at it and me and Kim, you know, to, to through the whole end of everything with her, it's so horrible that all of that happened. Right. It shouldn't have happened. We both, you know, it's like something between her and I, and it shouldn't have happened. And it's so sad that we wasted that much of our lives. You know, it 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 should have never ever happened. And and so yeah, we didn't talk. Well, we didn't see each other face to face for seventeen years. Wow. And this was. And that was my best friend, my sister, my family, my everything. Right. Now I, you know, you know, Roy McDonald longer, and um, I didn't talk to him or Ronnie in that amount of time either. I would, I would mm-hmm. run into Ronnie once in a while, and he had been a roommate at my house too um, for a while when that had happened, but, um, so I saw him, we didn't really talk. It was, it was awkward, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. boy, I don't think I had seen him either. Um, and you know, it's like, you kind of just let those things go. It's sad. And it shouldn't have been that way, right. but you just, I had to move on and she moved on with her life and she did her thing. And I know that she had regrets. 
And what ended up happening was um, uh, we got, we were, we were on MySpace (laughs) and I I look funny. Like it was a couple of years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Right. And uh, the, the uh, bass player that Karen and I had played with was selling stuff indoors stuff oh. on, on the internet making a profit off of it. It was weird and doing all this like stuff with man. It was kind of odd. And we got to talking and she started claiming all the stuff that she had played on Stop Pretending. And we're like, you did not play on Stop right. Pretending. Cam played on Stop Pretending. It's Cam, hello, we were there. Right. And uh Bill Inglot, the producer, he came on, he's like, you know, Who's Kim? <laughs> I recorded her. I never know you. You know, it was kind of, it was a weird thing. So we got connected that way. 2009, and we started, I was sticking up for her. Like in this, we kind of had this dispute going on. Okay. On my face thing. It was weird. I looked at things like things happen for a reason. That shouldn't, shouldn't happen. I don't want that to happen to anybody. Right. When you have something so special, I mean, it's the most incredible, special thing I've ever had in my entire life over any relationship with a guy or anything. It's, it, it's this friendship. Um, and I don't think everybody gets to have right. a best friend like that. And her and I, we felt that way about each other. Like, you can ask Roy or Wani, it's the same, same thing. It's like, Roy was just like, you know, Kim, when you weren't there anymore, Kim, it wasn't the same. She missed you. She, mm-hmm. you know, it's like her supposed to be together we we're like this duo this team and feed off of each other yeah reconciliation her, is wonderful yeah no it's anything ever bother you please you know it's friends are more important and people that love you oh yeah definitely you you had spoken about uh being in uh the leaving trains and you'd recorded with them and that was yeah that was kind of a punk outfit you know were you you playing guitar with them yes yes so i i you know obviously i played guitar in the muffs and then Mm -hmm. um leaving trains played guitar wrote songs with falling james we toured a bunch um put up i think i was on two or three albums i played with them for a long time too right what is is it when you're with a different (laughs) band does it is it just you know a whole other vibe because you're with a bunch of different people? But did you play any of the same places that you played with either the Pandoras or the Muffs, and, and get that, you know? Oh, I've been here the deja vu. I've been here before. So yes, some places for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. some different places in some places. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some like not this shithole again, but here we go. But that, <laughs> it, that happens. Ah. <laughs> uh, and of course, we got to talk about the coolies. Um, yeah. Now, Jim, I know he he bought the uh, the the which you get the green one or the the red one. Um, I got the green one. Green. I yeah. bought I bought the green one and the red one because uh, ALS is uh, just a want to support that cause as much as possible. And um, thank you. We appreciate that so much. Yeah. Well, we were... um, well, I'm such a I'm such a fan. I mean, the minute I saw it available, I was on it. And um, 
but but had no idea. You know, I, I had no idea Kim was sick. No, we didn't know at that time. You know. No, she, um, you know, it was it was her her secret. Mm-hmm. Um, she she, you know, only the closest closest people knew. Um, a little more into it, a little more people knew, but um, she wanted to keep it secret. Um, she would every once in a while told me to put out a little clue of something maybe I would post to see if people would notice. Right. And every once in a while, somebody would notice something, and then she'd go, ooh, you know? They're yeah. smart. But for the most part, people didn't catch on to it. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about what it was like to record that EP? Because, I mean, oh, she was go. she was already unwell at the time, but how, how difficult was that for her and... And what was that like? So I will tell you that doing this album, and obviously, you know, the, she did her most album as well. Um, and I played on a song in that too. And um, it was the greatest thing for her. She loved it. She, you know, she was sick for about two years straight. And her disease was incredibly aggressive. And from the time she was diagnosed to when she couldn't speak, it was about seven, eight months later. And uh, it started with um, her hand and it would move on to the next thing to where she was paralyzed. I hung out with her all the time. pretty much there like every every day with her and we have sleepovers all kinds of things we would make all these plans we just do incredible things we prank call people we just you know funny funny stuff just (laughs) funny funny but she had said um so we would have i would would, uh, call up palmyra our friend palmyra that we love to death since 1986 we met her when we were in the pandoras and so we have speaker calls, and it'd be like Melanie and Kim's Friday night sleepover. I'm like, all right, speaker call with Palmyra, and I her on the phone, and there she is. And her husband would come home and go, oh my god, that's Palmyra, because you know she's a DJ on Underground Garage, right. and it's like <laughs> there's her voice, like in my house, you know. Yeah. But um, so Kim had said. She's like, you know, I wish I wasn't sick. I wish the three of us could have a band. Because at that time, I started playing in Palmyra's solo band when when she would tour the West Coast. And Kim completely supported that. She's like, you have to play with Palmyra. I love this. So I started playing with Palmyra. It's 7 o'clock. So, so then... Um, she, Kim said that, and Palmyra is like, you know, well, you know what? What's stopping us? Why can't why can't we have a band? Why can't we do this? Mm. And oh God, Kim just lit up. It was yeah. just like the joy. It, it 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 gave her like this incredible sense and project in being. She loved she loved me and she loved Palmyra. And so we just started scheming like immediately. We decided, you know what? Let's ask little Steven if he'll put it out. On Wicked Cool Records, right. and so we and we said, you know what? Let's 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 do this and do it so it benefits ALS, like one hundred percent. 
what everybody forfeits any kind of, you know, 100%, uh, it's going to go to them. And we asked little Steven and he, and we of course told him, you know, she was ill and he immediately just was like, I will do whatever you want. Wow. Absolutely. Do this. He, he was uh, a fan of Kim, myself and Palmyra of our bands, just a wonderful person. And every single person at Wicked Cool Records, incredible, uh, you know, just supportive, generous. And it, 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 brought so much joy to her, me and Palmyra. And <clears throat> so, you know, it started with that. And then we said, well, what are we gonna do? You know, so first we said, let's do a single. And so Kim and I, we had a lot of time we spent together. So we would listen to a lot of music. We're like, okay, so let's figure this out. And so she started going through old demos and I heard this song. And I'm like, wow, I have never heard, what is this song? And she has this big smile on her face. <laughs> and at this time, I don't think she could talk because she's just not, it was her, her speech was almost gone at this point. Right. And, um, but anyways, she plays me the song and it turns out it was this demo that she had written for a, a, a TV commercial and they didn't like it. She had written it some years previously. And I'm like, this is such a, it was, uh-oh. And I'm like, this, mm -hmm. this song is <laughs> catchy. So, yeah. It's so great. It's, it's, you know, okay, we're going to do that. That's going right. to be the first song. And so she's all happy and smiling. And they're like, <laughs> okay, now we need to figure out second song because we're going to have a single. And so she, we got me, Palmyra and her had the song and then Palmyra took the song we each took it, and so Palmyra being on the East Coast, um, we added to the demo. It's not what's on the actual recording, but we decided, you know what, let's just mess with this and, and see what we can do. So Palmyra added herself onto it, playing guitar and doing some backing vocals, and then I added myself onto it, playing fuzz, fuzz guitar. Yeah. And we had, when Palmyra did her solo band, here on the West Coast, we didn't tell anybody that that was going to be our future Coolies song. Ah, we played yeah. Palmyra's band, and we had them. And then um, later on, Clem Burke also played with us, and he played it, and right. Kim was thrilled. She, Kim was so thrilled that Clem <laughs> was playing Uh-Oh. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's that's where Uh-Oh came from. And so then we, we said, okay, we need to start finding songs. So the single, then we had the song called... Um, yeah, I don't know. And what it was, was it was just like um, a voice memo on her iPhone. And it was just her strumming guitar, kind of singing and humming, not so much in key and stuff. And so Palmyra took it, did the same thing, added guitar to it. And we just did these in demo forms at first. And then um, I decided I was going to play bass on it. And I had never recorded bass before, whatever. And we, 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 we all played different instruments on it. Right. And, um, and, and then we said, well, you know what? Why don't we make this into an EP? So it went from a single to <laughs> a, a four song EP right. into a six song EP. <laughs> yeah. Then when we made it into a four song one, we decided to write a song. So I wrote a song 
with Kim, and Palmyra wrote a song with Kim. So oh, me and Kim wrote Ignoramus, and then Palmyra and Kim wrote Blueberry Crumble. And then, um, and then Kim pulled up two more songs. And she <laughs> was glad I met you. And um, oh, yeah, okay. grab it and look at it. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not thinking of it off the top of my yeah. head. But um, I should know. I know. Uh, <laughs> Pathetica. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful song. So anyways, that that's where this all came from. So our goal at this point then was, you know, Wicked Cool, they're like, let's just record. So I recorded all my parts here on the West Coast. Palmyra recorded all of hers at Renegade Studios with um, Jeff Off, and, um, and little Steven played Theremin on Blueberry Crumble, which wow. we thrilled, thrilled about. There's a Very video, cool. A video of him doing it, and Kim was just tickled beyond belief. And, uh, you know, basically we would just think, what do we need to add? What They were based on Kim's demos. Obviously, two of the songs we had to do and uh, completely from scratch. But uh, four of them were based off of her demos. And just start putting what we felt fit and instruments that we felt worked. And then between the three of us, we... Uh, would say yes or no, like, you know, maybe try this, or this is great, you know, things like that. Um, and that's really how we, how we did it all. And then, you know, so we added, Kim's are all Kim's parts, all her stuff. She played guitar, she played bass on a few, and she sang harmonica. And so then Tyra played guitar on guitar, Sang and did some backing vocals, and then I played uh, bass, guitar, and keyboards and backing vocals. And, and then, as far as the uh, cover itself, who came up with the with the cartoon Archie's like characters? Isn't it it's amazing? I love it so much. It is. Louis. Yes. And and Louis is up for an award for that. For that, we got nominated for three awards for the Independent Music Awards. And wow. I think they take yes, they take place in in June, and our, there it is. There it is. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. It uh, yeah. there. So he was so great. It was just when we saw that and Kim, Kim's like, oh my god, it looks just like me. Yeah. She's like, yes. Why? We had to okay them, you know, when he was doing it. I have a couple <laughs> tweets. Because I thought he, I looked a little too Veronica-ish. I'm like, but then it was perfect. Fit. I'm like, yes. But like Kim uh, was like, I'm perfect. I look great. But it was Louie, like Louie and Palmyra. Like Louie's like, how about Archie's? And Palmyra like said that. That would like be amazing. And so that's, that's like the whole idea. And then we decided that we were going to have these names, you know, Kimba, Malimba, because Kim was already Kimba and Palimba. Right. And, um, we had all the songs recorded. We had the art. We had all this. They had a date. We we had interviews starting. Bam! And Kim was thrilled. Oh my God! She wrote those interviews with her eyes. I would sit next to her. I would read her the questions, and she would answer and spell it all out for me. Mm -hmm. For anyone that interviewed us, just you know, 
that Kim did all that. And, and, and you know, I want to keep saying this. It made everything for her. It kept her busy. We'd yeah. wake up in the morning. She goes, let's get to work. When are we going to work? And she was, busy. she was just so thrilled. She's like, we're coolies. We're like, <laughs> like right before she died, she's sitting in her chair like a couple of days before. And, and we're watching movies. And she's like, we're two coolies hanging out. everything in the world to her and and us it was it was just such an incredible thing that we were able to pull it off and people didn't know she was sick and when it you know it came out we had the coolest song in the world and and just so much support we raised um as far as vinyl sales over fifteen thousand dollars and then that's that doesn't even the digital sales yet and like digital will always you know continue on as far as uh the vinyl that was three pressings and um you know and and here's the coolest thing is um we kim made it possible for us to have more future coolies all right so it's good to know i mean that is good to know (laughs) we'll be putting out future coolies and Kim knew that uh Kim you know the three of us had it all planned Kim had it planned single other song songs it definitely needs work there's not complete it's going to take a lot of work we have to create around around everything but we we have a lot of Stuff. And it will be the same thing, you know, it will oh, go towards awesome. air and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Louie will do the cover, the, you know. Very yeah, cool. we actually, uh, we actually featured that album in an early episode, or the feature the EP uh-huh. anyway. It was one of, one of our weekly picks, and uh, he wore his glasses when he did it. Yeah. yeah, I did wear the 3D glasses while we were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... Uh, Thank you fantastic to know that there's there's more music uh, absolutely on the horizon and and uh, we definitely look forward to that thank you yeah, yeah. We're, we're, kim would be she would you know she knew we're also bummed because of the current situation that the uh celebration of kim's life show got postponed and um yeah again talking to ronnie he said everybody's on board to uh eventually get it together when we're back uh, back to what, whatever normal might be so i'm looking forward to that yeah that right now we're so that that um uh, right now golden voice they have to wait for the okay for like actual you know dates like legally when we're right. able to pick you know we had an idea of the date that we were going to go for but it's probably not possible at the moment. So as soon as we know uh, when that is, then, then um, you know, we'll, we'll make that available to everybody. But yeah, we're going to have, it's going to be all the same bands, all the same everything. And um, it was super, super disappointing. But, uh, you know, and there were so many wonderful surprises too that will blow yeah. people's minds. Yeah. Cool things. Be surprised. Oh yeah. Um, um, let me let me ask you. It's it's scheduled to be at the El Rey Theater. What what's the capacity there? Do you know? I yeah yes because I'm I am uh, the co-organizer of this entire show with mm-hmm. Hillary Burton. Um, 
the the capacity I believe is eight hundred ish. We'll say. Okay, I'm sold out. I know, I know how it sold. It was sold. I I I know all the numbers. I'm not going to give all the numbers, <laughs> but um, it, you know, and I can't do the exact. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers of the capacity, but you know, there's a lot more than goes in, that goes into it than the actual numbers sold. There's comp tickets. There's you know, probably sure, for yeah. family that there there's a lot of other numbers, but um, it was sold out. Well, that that was my question. Is is looking at it now, looking back, do you think that's a big enough venue? When when you see the demand, it, when you look online of how many people say. Wow, it was sold out. I didn't get tickets in time, or they they lollygagged and didn't get them. And you wonder how many more, or how big of a place was, because Kim Kim was was quite a a name here in uh, the Los Angeles area, um, much less everywhere. But th- there's a possibility of you know a whole lot go, more people go go bigger. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I think. We're, we're very happy with the array. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. Golden Voice has been wonderful. So every single person involved in this that has like given, you know, their time, mm-hmm. uh, donated like so much. So, you know, every single band uh, doing this and people contributing, you know, like Shepard Fairy with the poster right. and, it, and it goes on and on and on. Every, everybody, um, like I said, Golden Voice and um, our production manager Chris, and 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 everybody. It's just it's great. I think it's a perfect venue. Okay. I do. I feel uh, I'm very happy with it. Just it feels right. It feel, to me it feels the perfect size. Right. I. I That's have to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely looking forward to it, and we'll see what the what the future holds uh, when we can get out there. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been crazy, hasn't it? It's oh, like, yeah. I'm like done with this. It's like, I want to go out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sick of coffee at my house. <laughs> it, it has been different, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, there's uh, other places, you know, Florida and Texas, they're opening up. And I, I don't know if it's going to work out or not. So, you know. I don't know. Even our beaches, we opened our beaches. I think they close them fast as they open them right now. So wow. we'll see. It's scary times. I know. See, I feel like the, the the few times I've been out recently to the supermarket, I feel people are getting a little too comfortable. Yeah. You yeah. They, like, they're wearing masks, but they're a little too close. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like I say, what the future holds with that because uh, I, I kind of like the social distancing myself. Anyways, I was I was practicing that before all this happened. So yeah, you know, so. <laughs> you've been you've been doing that for decades. Though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I was born for this. No, truly though. I mean, I was in I was in Venice the other day for work, and I saw a group of people outside a shop. And I mean, nobody's wearing masks, and they're all just kind of in a big group there. You know, just yakking it up. And I thought, like, oh, I think you guys are kind of missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like I've tried so hard. I, like, bought, like, you know, these goofy-looking masks. Mm-hmm. I wear them, and I've done everything, you know, the way I'm supposed to do it. And then, yeah, you know, and, it, and it, you know, 
everywhere. I know a lot of people that have gotten it, that have, you know, gotten through this and survived it. And Palmyra has a number of people that have died from it, you know? It's, wow. It's devastating. And, she, you know, she lives on the East Coast and it, right. it's been so bad there. It's yeah. horrible. Well, maybe certainly be glad when we get over the hump at least and uh, get some yeah. kind of normalcy again. Yeah. Hey, we do a thing on our show called What Floats Your Boat, Melanie. And uh, what it is is we ask our guests or people to, to send us a video of what music they're listening to at the moment and what, what, what floats their boat, what band is giving them a rise, you know. So can you tell us on this particular day or week or month what's floating your boat? I listen to a lot of different kind of music. Um, I like power pop stuff. I like rockabilly stuff. I like some country stuff. I like, um, I love Big Star. I love um, Joe Tex. I love, I mean, it goes on. I could like pull up my phone and like look at my, you know, my iTunes at the moment, I think I was listening to the zombies. I was listening to. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, I, of course, Fountains of Wayne. I've listened to so much Fountains of Wayne, and, you know, he died, like, devastating. Yeah. Right. Uh, Elvis Presley, Gene Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, like, and lots of, like, um, R&B stuff. In, and I like, um, like lounge stuff. I mean, I, the funny thing is I have a wide variety, but I'm picky. Too. Right. I'm super picky. <laughs> well, I fair enough. Shoes, like I could listen to them all the time. Uh, I'm trying to think of some things that I've posted recently. Do you listen to your own music? My kids would probably say yes. I <laughs> talk <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, no, the thing is, like, I always have, like, a shuffle on my iTunes. And so I listen to it for the most part, but sometimes I'll, like, go through it. Mm-hmm. But, no, I'm sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and, and why not? You know, Paula was a great songwriter. Kim was a great songwriter. They're great songs. They hold up. It's, you know, and it makes me proud. Everything, I'm proud of, like, all, all you know, the music that yeah, I've been involved be. in, the people that I've been involved with doing it. I mean, it's, I feel so fortunate that yeah. I've been able to do that with all these people and it exists, so. That's great. Well, Jim, you have anything else uh, to wrap this up? Well, just thank you, Melanie, for joining uh-huh. us. Uh, amazing story because I can't imagine what it would be like to going right out of high school to recording and being in a touring band just <laughs> straight away, you know, and, uh, I was just watching the, uh, the clip of you guys from Arsenio Hall the other. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. As you know, the camera would pan over to you and of course I'm, I'm watching because you're going to be on the show and, um, but just how amazing you look on stage. You have just such a great stage presence, and you just would move seamlessly from the keyboard, you know, to the uh, to the tambourine and back, and you're singing, and and you're a great dancer. Um, which it's weird that so many musicians cannot dance. I fall into that category, 
But you look great on stage. Oh, thank you. The thing is, like, I think I can't dance, but I love <laughs> playing. I love doing that. Oh, my God. It just feels right to me. That's me. I feel like like when I get to do that, it just, it, like, uh, the most recent stuff, like, I told you, you know, that I have played, done, done tour with Josie Cotton and playing keyboards for her. Wow. Amazing. Oh. oh my God. And I love it. And it's just like, I love rocking out. I love it. It just makes me want to play and move and it just feels good. Well, I think that's, that's kind of what comes through is that when you see, you know, pictures of you and Kim on stage or you playing and whatever is you always look just so extremely happy to be there and doing it. I am. And, and you know what? No, me and Kim always happy playing together, rocking out with each other is the greatest feeling in the entire world. I can't even tell you, like, look, like looking at her and her and I doing that, or like, you know, just all through the end of like, you know, while she was sick and us looking at pictures and, and watching like old videos of us and our stories of each other and everything, you know, it just, that's, we are, well, BFF musical soulmates forever and ever. All right. I have to ask one question about Arsenio Hall. Who's in charge of the smoke bomb or the dry ice, and were they fired immediately? <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't see anybody for the first maybe 30 seconds of the song. Ridiculous. It was funny. Yeah. And, it's like, and the sound sucks, too. It's like yeah. so embarrassing because all you can hear is my keyboard. It's like, hello, I, like, I, we don't need that. But... Um, and Paula's hair, Paula's like hair is like little Bo Peep or something mm -hmm. here. Pretty ridiculous. I do not know, but I remember, um, you know, you, you spoke of, of White Flag. Bill Bartell was there. He was in the audience, which is kind ah. of, and he was cracking up. Um, I don't know. It was yeah. like horrible. It was, it, so, was. it was so funny. It was just, you know, I'm so glad that that exists though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, in, in a sense, it's really great. But for the first 30 seconds, it's just kind of you just see smoke and you can hear you guys playing. And I remember thinking, like, I wonder how they even saw what they were playing. Like Sherry was back there. I was like, I wonder if she could even see the drums. Hilarious. Totally hilarious. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on. And, and Thank you for having me. Yeah, we appreciate your time. Um like I said, we had we had Ronnie on a couple weeks ago, and um, watched it. We, oh, did you? Okay, well, he's gonna come back because we we omitted a few things from Kiss that uh, he <laughs> he made sure I, I knew about, and then um, we're gonna have him on also for another uh, Muff show. Just get his take on everything because he's cool. he's a great storyteller too. Oh yeah, no, he's funny. He's yeah. for sure funny. Yeah, but we really appreciate uh, having you on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank yes, you. thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Jim, if there's nothing else, what do you say? The shop is closed. <laughs>